Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus Podcast Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, April 28th, marks our 178th program. Today's featured Actus solution is the Actus Online CDI Summer Retreat. You gotta love that Frisbee. One of my favorite graphics we've had for our programs. Uh, our retreat is a place of privacy, safety, security, a place where like-minded individuals can come together to withdraw from the day-to-day, -day, study, meditate, learn from each other, take a collective breath. We certainly need that, I think, after after what 2020 had in store for us in 2021. That's why we've developed this three-day, two-track Actus Online CDI Summer Retreat. This will kick off the first official week of summer, June 23 and 25. It, it, it is coming, folks. We hope you can check it out. Um, we're doing some fun stuff on this program. We've got two keynotes, virtual cocktail hour, uh, two tracks of sessions, and um, a lot of fun in store as well as learning. So check it out at hcmarketplace.com. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program. What is computer-assisted physician documentation? We're gonna to try to answer this over the next 30 minutes. Today's show is sponsored by Cerner. Uh, Cerner's health information technologies connect people and systems at more than 27,500 contracted provider facilities worldwide. Together with its clients, Cerner is creating a future where the healthcare system works to improve the well-being of individuals and communities. So I'm joined today by my co-host, you should be seeing on your screen now, Sharm Brody. Sharm is a subject matter expert for Actus and one of our CDI education instructors. Sharm uh, has more than 35 years in the healthcare industry, a number of different uh, areas she worked in, consultant providing program audits, program implementation. She's all over the place with us here at Actus for our CDI journal certification committee, and we're pleased to have her back on the show. So welcome, Sharm. Thanks, Brian. We can play Frisbee golf at the um, retreat. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to do that over Zoom. Oh. Yes, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> that should be interesting. All right, next I want to introduce our industry guest today. We have with us today uh, Andrea Groenhagen. Andrea is the Senior Content Solution Designer for Chart Assist with Cerner Intelligence. She's been in the nursing field since 1988, one of the subject matter experts in the development of the solutions content in improving coding and clinical documentation based on evidence-based clinical guidelines research. Uh, she grew up in the Philippines, migrated to the United States of America in 1992. I'm sure there's many stories there. Um, she's also an enthusiast of Actus. You've probably seen her at many of our conferences, regular listener of the podcast, her first time as a, as a guest. So I want to welcome you on the show, Andrea. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having us uh, today. And uh, as you said, I have been an Actus member for so long. And one of the things that I always look forward to is our conference. So I cannot wait to see you guys in October in Dallas. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> All right. We also have with us today uh, Heidi Zimmerman. Heidi is the director uh, for Cerner Intelligence. She's an RNBSN. There she provides strategic direct direction over a suite of Cerner products utilizing AI and machine learning technologies to advance data intelligence in healthcare. 
Prior to joining Cerner back in 1998, she worked as a registered nurse in the Kansas City area and has applied her passion for healthcare into developing solutions to improve clinical workflows and the delivery of patient care. I want to welcome Heidi to the show as well. Thank you so much, Brian. It's really great to have the chance to talk with you all today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's go ahead and uh, open up our poll question. We try to ask a poll question related to the topic. Um, so we're asking you today, does your organization utilize some form of computer-assisted physician documentation, or CAPD? I'm going to try to abbreviate that, I think, a little on the program because it's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Uh, your options are yes, no, don't know, not applicable, or other. Once again, does your organization utilize some form computer-assisted physician documentation? And again, your options are yes, no, don't know, not applicable, or other. And for other, I, I do love seeing your responses. Frankly, if you check yes or no or don't know, you can send in your response too. We'll, we, we, I'll be taking a look at those during the show and um, maybe we'll try to work some of those results in. We always love to hear from our listeners. All right, I'm gonna go ahead, close this poll out. We're at about 75% of our audience that have voted and we will come back to that in just a few minutes. Okay, as I mentioned, Andrea and Heidi, thanks for coming on the show today. We're thrilled to have you on the podcast to talk about a really important topic that uh, you know, I mentioned on a show earlier this year that technology has become, um, you know, just part of the staple and and day to day work of CDI professionals working on platforms, EHRs, but working with supplemental AI programs and technologies to supplement their chart reviews. Um, and you know, this is a very important topic, but it's still not widely understood. So was hoping, you know, and, and this first question could frankly take up the rest of the show probably, but I, I just do have to ask, maybe we'll direct it to you, Heidi, to start. Just, you know, what is computer-assisted physician documentation and, and how does it work maybe at a level that we can all sort of understand here? <laughs> you bet, Brian, and I think you're right. This could take up all of our time, so I'll, I'll try to be um, brief and, and succinct, but um, I, I'd like to start with really where these CAPD solutions fit into the documentation and coding space. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the benefits of it um, and then how they function. And this is where I'll get a little bit more technical and, and give you some examples. Um, <clears throat> so we know that within the revenue cycle process, there are a variety of roles that support making sure that patient care is appropriately and accurately documented, right? So we have coders and CDI specialists that are really the primary roles in that process. And there are a variety of computerized programs out there today that support these workflows. But as you said, we're beginning to see emerging with the development of artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies are automated systems that support another role that's very critical in this process, which is the physician. And they are responsible for caring for the patient and then making sure that their documentation accurately reflects the care that they have provided. So it's really not terribly surprising that technology is becoming available to assist them with their documentation at the point of care instead of hours, days, or maybe even weeks later. 
Um, a key goal of CAPD solutions is to reduce the cognitive burden on clinicians. And that's what I mean by that is the mental energy it takes them to carry out their responsibilities. So by providing documentation improvement opportunities that are concurrent with their activities of reviewing the chart and creating their note, this really helps to ensure accurate and complete documentation and reduces the potential for having to address manual queries later in the patient care process. Um, you know, when we say that artificial intelligence or AI is integrated into these CAPD solutions, we're really referring to two major components. I want to kind of describe those in a little more detail. The first is the Natural Language Processing Engine or NLP. NLP is really critical. It's responsible for reading the unstructured documentation within the chart and then transforming that into something that's structured and can be understood and actioned on within the system. So this is the reason this is such a critical piece is that we still have 60 to 80% of the electronic medical record that is unstructured. And then the second piece of the AI are the algorithms that are written specific to each clinical condition that's being evaluated and identified. So it's these algorithms that then determine the inclusion and exclusion criteria for presenting documentation improvement opportunities to the physician. Um, so I'd like to, as an example, and to kind of talk through the three major use cases for a CAPD solution, I'm gonna use our um, Cerner's uh, product called Chart Assist, but you know, in general, there, there really are three major use cases. One is identifying a missing diagnosis. Now, this is the situation in which the system, again, it's using that NLP and the clinical algorithms, found sufficient clinical evidence for a diagnosis which has not yet been documented. So a great example is hyponatremia. So let's say that the system finds that the patient has a low sodium uh, value of 125 milliequivalents. They, it's been documented that they have symptoms of nausea and vomiting and altered mental status, and they're being treated with a normal saline infusion. So as you all probably know, these would all be indications that the patient has hyponatremia, but hyponatremia in this scenario has not yet been documented. So the the computer-assisted physician documentation solution would then present that information to the physician, identify this as a potential diagnosis, and then give them the ability to either easily add this to their documentation or dismiss it, which would then remove that opportunity. The second use case is where a, diagnose, a, a diagnosis is documented, but it lacks specificity. So, a good example of this is heart failure unspecified. So let's say the, the system finds that heart failure unspecified has been documented, but it also identified clinical findings that would be indicative of acute systolic heart failure. So in that scenario, the CAPD solution would present those findings to the physician. And again, as these findings are presented, the physician sees all of the evidence that the system found to support that um, recommendation. And then the last uh, scenario is really doing kind of the opposite of the first two, and, and we call this clinical validation. So this is where a diagnosis has been found, 
but then there isn't sufficient clinical evidence to really support that diagnosis. So that scenario puts the organization at risk from an auditing and compliance perspective, as you all are well aware. Um, so it's really important that the physician, the physician is notified early in the process and they can make those necessary changes to their documentation. So I hope that kind of helped understand how these fit into the overall um, industry of documentation and coding uh, and also the benefits and, and how it functions a little bit better, Brian. Right. Yeah, that was helpful. And they have to be incredibly sophisticated to be able to pick up on this stuff, you know, look at lab values, um, determine whether or not they're supported in the record. I, I can't imagine what goes into building something like this. Well, and that's exactly what Andrea and the team do. So yeah. <laughs> we have coders and, and CDI specialists, physicians and nurses that are all doing that research. Great. Okay, well, I'm going to step in and throw a question to Andrea. Now, Heidi has discussed a little bit about how um, this program makes it a little bit easier for physicians, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to maybe take that a little bit further um, and maybe give us a few other uh, examples or scenarios regarding diagnoses. Sure, Sharm. Uh, just want to uh, kind of mention what uh, Heidi has said. By reducing the cognitive load, by providing documentation improvement opportunities while the physicians are still actively caring for their patient is actually one of the primary ways that a lot of the CAPD solutions can make life easier for them. Uh, she mentioned, Heidi mentioned uh, Cerner's product chart assist, but uh, the way that this works, we present um, the product will actually, the CAPD present a provider with a clinical evidence, as she uh, explained, like your lab results, signs, symptoms, and risk factors and treatments that support the documentation opportunity being presented. And by providing this information in context with the opportunity, the patient does not have to dig through the clinical record and looking for all of those as he uh, creates his notes. So by doing so, you know, when we talk about uh, click burden, they, they don't like a lot of clicks. If we can reduce that click and time spent uh, looking for that information and give the physicians quick access to those options, they can actually take action and update their documentation. So it helps improve their efficiency and productivity a lot. Mm -hmm. And and you did ask about the CDI specialist, how about for them? How how does it help? The way that I uh, that we look at it, like from their perspective, if you can improve the documentation up front, be um, proactive with it, we're hoping that we can reduce those number of queries they have to send to the physician. Hence, their time can be spent on other responsibilities or even on conditions that are not currently supported by the CAPD solutions and also look at complex patients where a manual review may still be necessary. And I'll give you a good example uh, of a diagnosis where CAPD can really help. So we have a client where morbid obesity, they, they, they told us if you look at morbid obesity and with a BMI say of greater than 40, it's a very relatively straightforward condition or diagnosis, but it's frequently missed or overlooked and results in a large number of um, 
manual queries. So this client that we have, they said that they actually have over 1,500 times within three to four month period that they have to query. But if you, if we have a computer assistance, this opportunities could have been identified further upstream in the physician's workflow. So the CDI specialist could actually spend more time focusing on other added high value responsibilities they have. And we all know it's not just about uh, um, increasing specificity or doing a reimbursement anymore when it comes to this, but uh, we are also given responsibilities now, like even for readmission, quality measures, even looking at clinical validation, providing education for your physician. And what I've heard late, I mean, from what I read from some of our, uh, from ACDIS actually here, that uh, some of the responsibilities uh, with claim denials and writing appeal letters are being given now for CDIS. So mm -hmm. uh, by having CAPD solution, I think, uh, like we said, catch it upstream, Charm, and then get some of that responsibilities off their plate right it's a good point andrea and you know that's something i get asked a lot is you know we can't do everything how do we get into denials um but you know a technology solution could certainly help you get there if you're if it's able to take some of that manual work off your plate you know if if, if, you, if you guys don't mind i would like to talk about some of the limitations though i mean I, I, still hearing that um, even despite the best attempts of like IBM Watson and other programs that there's there's always going to need, need some type of clinical mind reviewing this a human being frankly um, you know yes. are, are there still some uh, diagnosis clarifications element of the elements of the record where you're just going to need a pair of eyes on um, either because it's such a complex decision and and i know medicine is as much art as science um are there some critical skills that a computer just can't replace right now that you want to talk about oh i'll answer that question brian um yeah uh since we know any uh oh i can say the capd solutions are still an emerging technology so the number of conditions supported represents only a limited subset of all the potential conditions that could be queried, right? So uh, let me go back to Heidi's explanation in the beginning on how these products are designed. There is an ongoing need to monitor and validate these solutions for performance and accuracy, and that's very important. And also, in addition, the natural language processing, the NLP engines that she talked about, it always will require training as it may not read a complex chart in the same manner that the human eyes could read it and interpret it. I'm gonna give you an example here, um, like for Chartis' product only, if they present documentation to, um, to get to present an improvement opportunity, like for our product, it has to meet a certain high confidence level. So, but there will be situation in which not all of the clinical evidence will be present or available or read by the NLP, and thus a required human intervention is needed. Um, let me think of an example here uh, to describe what I mean. Um, okay, a patient that has all the indicators, source criteria for sepsis, you know they're septic. One of the rule that we have to call somebody septic is you have to have a source of infection, right? Mm -hmm. But 
if the NLP does not was not able to read the source of infection because it's one of the uncommon. And we ran into this when we first identified COVID virus. We don't even have any code, SNOMED code for it or ICD code at the time, but yet your patient is septic because of uh, COVID pneumonia. So that's where the human eye, the human factor plays a big role in it. So in other words, to go back to your question, Brian, and uh, about this uh, present limitation, yeah, the computer is limited to the content contained within the database. But I tell you, the good news is this database, currently, all of its content is ever evolving and growing at a very rapid pace. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating field and a fascinating technology. You know, we're, we're getting close to the end of our interview with you guys, but I, I did just want to ask briefly, maybe I'll kick it back over to you, Heidi, a little bit about compliance. This is something we're, we're hearing a lot about and we're, yeah. you know, we're trying to rectify to some degree to make sure that these products allow physicians to continue to exercise their independent clinical decision making, you know, um, while also not hampering them because they do help with that decision fatigue. They do help to alleviate burnout, but we just don't want to push physicians in a certain direction um, and, and allow them to continue to be you know, the, the trained physicians they are. So how, how, how do you make sure that these are compliant and any advice would you, could you give to a CDI professional listening today? Yeah, Brian, that is an excellent question. And as you can imagine, one that we're asked about frequently. So when we started on this CAPD journey at Cerner, one of our overarching goals was really to ensure that we are applying artificial intelligence responsibly to documentation and coding. So, it, you know, really this goal applies to all aspects of applying AI to healthcare. Um, and in order to do this, we developed six principles that really serve as our guideposts as we design, develop, and implement solutions that leverage AI and machine learning. Um, unfortunately, we don't have time to go through all six of those in detail today, but there are a couple I want to highlight. And the first is content transparency. And what we mean by that is it's really important that anyone implementing or using products with embedded AI fully understand the logic and the criteria that drive the product. So this is why for Chartasys, we give clients access to the algorithms that define each condition so that they fully understand what's being presented to physicians and the why behind it. Um, in addition, we show the physicians all of the clinical criteria upfront to aid them in their decision-making process. And that leads us to a second principle, and that is the decision-making is always up to the physician. So we are very careful about how opportunities are presented to ensure we are not leading the physician. I do wanna add here, Brian, how much we appreciate um, the guidelines that Actis and AHIMA have defined, which have really established the standard across the industry. And our clinical team is very familiar with these guidelines and they keep close tabs on any changes and updates. Um, another, and the, the last principle I wanna mention is workflow integration. So to the point earlier about decision fatigue and burnout, our goal is really to make this CAPD process a seamless part of patient care. So with the Chartist solution, we can leverage the fact that the provider is utilizing the Cerner EMR and thus the AI is directly embedded into their workflow of reviewing the patient's chart, placing orders and writing their note. And we also have very skillfully trained user interface experts 
that help ensure that the software design is intuitive positions, that it's easy to train, it's easy to use, and we try to make it easy for them to do the right thing. <laughs> All right. Well, you certainly, I'm sure this keeps you guys busy in your day jobs, but it's, you know, it's, it's great to see. It's frankly great to see someone like Andrea, who's coming out of the CDI field and was a CDI professional, still is, but is now involved in development of a product like mm -hmm. this. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Thank you for sharing your story and, and shedding some light on, on CAPD. All right, let's just take a quick look at our poll question. Again, we asked folks, um, does your organization utilize some form of computer-assisted physician documentation? 69% uh, said yes. So majority are using this in some way, shape, or form. 19% say no. 9% don't know. 2% not applicable. As I always say, we have folks who listen to the show who aren't necessarily in CDI at the moment or maybe you're in a different setting than acute care or, and we got some other responses. So um, any comments here at all, Heidi or Andrea on the poll results? Anything surprise you? That's you know, Brian, I, I am interested and I, I'm kind of curious if the yeses refer to um, like the, the definition of computer assisted physician documentation, um, you know, does this mean that you're using electric electronic queries to the physician and do they consider that a form of CAPD or is right. it truly something that is not involving a, a CDI specialist? Yeah, I, 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 I wish we could, um, I wish we could yeah. <laughs> get a little better of a question. I'm limited by the character count, but I, I, I would agree, Heidi, there, there could be something where people are, you know, having something that's assistive in their role, but may, may not be truly like AI-driven CAPD. Um, yeah. Point. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have so many tools out there, computer tools, right? Assisting the CDS in either uh, giving template or uh, a form of sending those queries to the physician. Right. Absolutely. Okay. At this point, I do want to switch over briefly to our in the news segment. Actually, have a lot of news today, as it turns out. Um, I hadn't planned on the second one I'll share with you, but I, I did want to briefly share here that uh, this is an article from our own actus.org website. If you're not getting CDI strategies, what are you doing? Subscribe today. It's free. Um, but check it out here. This, this is a newly proposed, uh, so this is proposed now. This is not you know, something we're adopting today, but some newly proposed heart failure classifications uh, this is from um, some authoritative organizations. It's the Heart Failure Society of America, Heart, Fail Heart Failure Association of the European Society of Cardiology, and the Japanese Heart Failure Society uh, have published in the Journal of Cardiac Failure um, a new universal definition of heart failure, which is hoping to directly impact patient outcomes and further refine this problematic diagnosis. So. Uh, this new definition, they're proposing to redefine heart failure as a, quote, clinical syndrome with symptoms and or signs caused by a structural and or functional cardiac abnormality and corroborated by elevated uh, nat, I'm going to screw this up now, <laughs> natriuretic <laughs> peptide EMP. levels. Yes, there, there, there we go, ENP, that, that's that's. I should be using the <laughs> and or objective evidence of pulmonary or systemic congestion. So 
Um, we have a new definition and we also have some revised stages, A through D. Uh, I won't read them all for you. We, we, we do provide uh, links to all of our in the news items here in the show notes. So uh, check that out on actus.org. But essentially we've got at risk, pre-heart failure, heart failure itself, which is stage C, and then advanced heart failure, which is defined by things like uh, intolerant to um, management and therapy, might require advanced therapies for trans or such as transplant, mechanical circulatory support, palliative care. Um, really cool stuff here. I, I, I know when these definitions come out, they take time to penetrate the medical community before they gain widespread acceptance. But, um, and actually, we, we do link to the story here. The, the, the complete report, and it's huge, is here. Uh, you know, and it links straight to the definition itself. Um, gosh, I thought I had this bookmarked. But I, I would encourage you guys to check out this complete article in the Journal of Cardiac Failure, which tells you this proposed. Uh, here we go. Here's, where, here's the current classifications. And, and I think Table 6 has the... Um, as the proposal for the new classifications. So just curious, Andrea, if you had any thoughts on this, on this proposal. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, this is one of the reason why being an ACDIS member, I love it, because just on the journals, anything that you provide us here, and then if I may say so, I'm looking forward to your pocket guide coming for 2022, because I, we use it. Uh, it's not as just the main, um, reference when we develop this condition or look for criteria. But now, just to talk about heart failure here too, I am so uh, liking it and I'm on board with this new definitions of heart failure. But what really caught my eye are the proposed new classification of the heart failure using uh, left ventricular ejection fraction so that mm -hmm. it aligns well with the physician's criteria when to classify the heart failure if systolic or diastolic. What I mean by that, when we're writing logic for any of these computer assisted, like for heart failure, you have to clearly tell the system or the computer of what exactly are the EF that you're looking for. And you cannot just give it a range, but by having anything below 50% saying that it's a mild systolic heart failure. Or then of course we have the HFPEF and HF reduced before, so this were really this is good. I really like this. Yeah, well, that's good to know. It's it's always good to hear from folks like you who are going to be potentially doing the the chart reviews or updating your technology to adjust with these proposed uh, new guidelines yeah. and criteria. So we 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 have one thumbs up, I guess, from the CDI community already. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, also. Today, uh, actually last night, we have heard that the fiscal year 2022 IPPS proposed rule is in fact out. Just came out last night. Um, you know, this is the big rule for us all, obviously, in CDI. It, it talks about overall uh, reimbursement rates, whether they're going up or down for inpatient acute care hospital revenue. It also gets into quality measures. Um, I haven't had a chance to go through this. We were just chatting on the call. It's something like 1,900 pages, but we're going to be doing some review and summary for ACTUS members in the coming weeks here. Our regulatory committee is already taking a look at this, I know. Um, there is This is an article I'm showing you here from the American Hospital Association that 
does provide some helpful summary. What I found interesting is they're already talking about, uh, they're proposing to remove this new transparency rule that came out uh, during the last administration where they were requiring hospitals to post their their MSDRG charges online in machine readable format. That's potentially going to be removed. Um, they're also doing things like extending the COVID-19 add-on payment through the end of the year in which the emergency ends. So we're not going to see this end right now. It's whenever the this emergency period with the COVID-19 pandemic ends, they're going to extend that, that, that add-on uh, payment that we're seeing now. Uh, there's many other things. They're, they're, they're uh, quashing some quality measures because they realized that this past year was a year unlike any other and hospitals shouldn't be penalized. Uh, for for not meeting some of those criteria to qualify for the value-based purchasing bonuses, et cetera. A lot more to come on this um, in the coming weeks, but wanted to let you guys know that this is out and to stay tuned for some um, more to, helpful links and, and, and analysis from actus.org there. All right, well, we are past the top of the hour, so I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap things up. I do want to... Um, thank our guests today for coming on the show and talking about this really important topic on CAPD. Heidi and Andrea did a great job. Thank you again. And, and thanks to Cerner for their support of today's show. Um, we'll be back here again in two weeks on May 12th, 2021. This, this should be a, a good episode as well. We're, we're going to be talking about how some of our CDI professionals who formerly were at the bedside are missing that a little bit and are looking for ways to find purpose and meaning in their new role as CDI professionals. I'm going to have a couple guests on, Autumn Ryder, Erica Remmer, to discuss this topic. Hope you can join us. Um, and as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests or ideas about the format of the show, send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That's how I get my show ideas. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you back here again in two weeks.